By the way, I, I, can, I can share this with you. Uh, my wife is an awesome secretary, uh, but she just doesn't know when to cut it off. As we're standing here, she says, you know, it's not November 26th. I don't know if you guys saw that up on the typo. And then we're singing our song, and it was Son of Righteousness, S-U-N. Nah, I don't think so. I think it's S-O-N. So uh, just clarifying some typos there. Um, but anyways, that's a good secretary and a good wife. Am I hiding in the bushes? So I will be. <laughs> these, are, these are nice. Uh, thank you, guys. I uh, hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Thank you for letting us go see our family as well, spend some time with them. It's good to be back with our church family. I know some of you were traveling, and uh, some of you stayed put, hopefully had uh, plenty of turkey, hopefully put up with some turkeys, and um, you're putting up with one right now, so I'll make this quick. Today, you're not having to put up with me. Uh, today, we actually have a guest speaker. And Well, thank you, sir, for being here. <laughs> Make sure he puts double in the Gideon off, all right? <laughs> but uh, we do have our Gideon International representative here. And as you know, uh, our church has a longstanding history uh, with supporting the Gideons. Uh, not only do we have representatives uh, that are part of our church family and have been going back for some time, uh, we also throughout the year support in various ways the Gideon ministry. And so uh, with that said, I want to invite... Uh, gentlemen, some of you probably know, know well, and uh, for those of us who, who are not uh, just getting to know my brother, I want to invite Brother Tommy Edwards to please come, and if you would welcome him this morning on behalf of Gideon's. Thank you, brother. I got a lot of shoes to be on after the introduction like that. It's funny how things happen. I had this thing planned out. And all last night I got got up to the bathroom and it changed on me. Another testimony to start off with come to mind. And it's some I don't know if some of you might know him. Jimmy Porcher. I'm gonna get my glasses out where I can see a little bit. Because I'm gonna have to get, glance some of the notes, scriptures over. Back to the, uh, that I got under loan. He was born in the foothills of Virginia. Country boy. He was raised up in the church. He started at an early age playing music, singing, singing in the church. But as he do small guest appearances here and there, he toned his entertainment. He began to show a strong musical background. And he, like I said, his talents tone. His message continued to be Christian. And in 1982, he was blessed to be able to join the Statler Brothers. So I, I know a lot of you know him. But, uh, he, he joined them. He thought he fit in well, being they were playing be Christians, and with his Christian beliefs, he thought everything was, was kosher. Well, they played all over the country. But he was troubled. You see, he was sitting on, like I say, sitting on that pew, more or less, 
but it won't in his heart altogether. He was being there. He was going through the walk, but it just won't there. See, he grew up. His father was a alcoholic, and it was abusive childhood. But his mother was the ground force of that family. She prayed continuously that God would intervene and that family would be safe. He would quit his drinking. One Sunday in church, there was a visiting evangelist. And he'd been, his daddy had been to church. Like I say, sitting there. But that Sunday, something that that evangelist say had reached down and grabbed him. It pulled to his heart strings. And he was a changed man after that. He gave up his drinking and everything. And he just, it was a different life from then on. As uh, like I say, Jimmy, life, you would think with the Stadler brothers traveling like they were, and he had everything, but he didn't. He, he was just something missing. Well, his uh, wife divorced him. His father had cancer, and a lot of other things were going on. And they, they were running so much, but they, they got into alcohol, drugs, and stuff like that. And he knew that his life wasn't where it needed to be. So sitting in that motel room, he picked up a Gideon Place Bible. I had it down there, but it's up here. I need it. It was a Gideon Place Bible by the Gideons in that motel room. And he read it. And I'm going to have to hold this up to see it. Jeremiah 5.25 Your inquiries have turned thee away, and your sins have kept good from you. So that, that hit him strong and changed his life that day. Twenty years later, the, uh, after he started 82B202, the Statler brothers folded up. And he made enough money so if he could have quit then. But he didn't. He went on to, to play gospel music and country music and testify the people. Sometimes he didn't get good reception. He he would be uh, a little overbearing, what you might say. It, it it just come out so strong, the spirit was in him, and it come out so strong that the people didn't accept it all the times. But he continues and continues this day to uh, preach preach through his singing and testimonies as he plays around the world. Take. Here's what his life is about. Let me get this. Planting little seeds of hope in places where you might be hard to get, might be hard and dry, might be hard to take hope, more or less. And that's, that's more or less what he's, uh, his life has turned into. So you see, he had it all, more or less. But he didn't have in here what he needed. He had money things, but when it come right down to it, he he walked and talked about Christ, but he won't in here. He sat on that pew and just listened. So when that Bible, like I say, when it got hold of him, he, he was a changed man from then on. Thank you for the opportunity to be here today. We talk about the Giddings International. I would like to share with you who we are.
and what we do and how the world is changing by the things we do. We're born again Christian and professional men. We have the unpowered belief that this is the word. And not only it changed, we've gone back to our grassroots on some of it. We don't believe that just handing this Bible out is enough. We believe that handing this Bible out, this testimony of PT here, with a testimony behind it, is what it takes. Not just passing it out. So we've, we've changed up and gone back to some of our roots on the way we think. We put the Bibles in the hotels, motels, hospitals, schools, military, and jails, especially jails. And a lot of places who are having trouble. This is where y'all can help. We need some prayer on a lot of these places, like the schools. We have trouble getting in these schools sometimes. It's, the world has took over on a lot of things, and we're being pushed out. The Lord's Word is being pushed out. So we need help, more or less, with your prayers to keep us in your prayers that we can get in these venues and put the Word out. You take the uh, lady, she was in the closet, had a gun to her head. She was getting ready to take her life. Her son ran in the door hollering, Mama, Mama, look what Mr. Gideon had given me today. He had a New Testament. So she put the gun down and left the closet so he wouldn't see. And they read that Bible. And she went on to change and accept Christ from that little Bible that her son had brought home from church, from school. In other words, it won't meant for her, really. But when you put these Bibles out, you don't never know. The person you give it to might not be the one. It might be 50 years later that somebody's saved. But it will go forth and do what it was put out for. You take in the hospitals. You got these, uh, in Finland, it was a ward like, and uh, this nurse was assigned to one end of it. And she didn't like that because there was one patient in there was kind of loud. And he'd do a lot of hollering and stuff like that. And that said, she was dreading going out there, being in that room. And she didn't know what to say. But she went in. She could tell he was upset and worried about the way he acted. She asked him, would it be odd to read the Bible to him? So she got it out of the nightstand, and she read it to him. And she was able to lead him to Christ that day. And then she asked him, would it, did he want to have the rites of the Last Supper? So she got the chaplain to come up from the chapel down there and minister the Last, the last Supper to him. The chaplain come out of that room, he was grinning. He was smiling. The lady went back in. She, she didn't know what to say. She asked the fellow, could he? She sang for him. So she sat there on that edge of the bed and started to sing a gospel song. Before she got through the first verse, he was gone. And she had tears running down her eyes. But they weren't tears of sorrow. They were tears of joy. To know that in the last minutes of his life that he became to know Jesus and she knew where he would be. And all, all this, I can go on just instance after instance this. There was a, in the military, there was a chaplain. He had 
got to know Christ through a military Bible. It's a long story, so I'm going to just cut part of it. But he was stationed in uh, Georgia, I believe, Alabama, and a uh, drill sergeant. I mean, old tough drill sergeant. He, he thought he could bite 16 penny nails out off, I believe, the heads of him. He was that tough. But he told him, don't you come around me. I don't believe in that. I'm an atheist. I don't believe in that Bible. So the chaplain kept on and he challenged him to take one of these New Testaments and go back and read the book of John. Well, about a week later, that chaplain was there in his office and this sergeant come in. He had tears running down his eyes. He was trembling. So he said he wanted to know some more about that Jesus in that book. So you see that John, even though he was talking all this, the Lord made a way, and John had, by reading the chapter of John, he had grabbed hold of him. And he went on to minister the sins and that drill sergeant to get saved. And the sergeant told him that uh, his men was getting ready to go out overseas to come down and talk to him before they left. Well, he went down, and he talked to them, and right many of them got saved. But they went home before they were being shipped out. The chaplain got a call from Denver, Colorado, just a little, about a month later. It seemed when they went home, one of the men was getting married. And that night on his honeymoon, him and his wife both were killed. And his mama had found that book like this where he had signed it in the back, professing that Christ was the way. And on that telephone between that base and Denver, she accepted Christ off on that one book. So you see, these Bibles, they go out. We don't know. We just don't know. We know they're going to go for where he sent them, but we just don't know where all the time or who they're going to touch. Since uh, 1908, as of last year, we've about over 2 billion Bibles in the world. We give a Bible out now about three every second. And we've done something else that's uh, it's a little unusual. We have brought the price of the Bible down, of being businessmen, working, fine-tuning things. The price of the Bible's gone down that it costs to put one of these out. Every 18 we put out now, one of them is free from the work of these men. So that, that's a free Bible, more or less, getting in somebody's hands that we hadn't planned on. And it's, it's because of businessmen working together for Christ. <laughs> you know, these uh, prisons, so many times I've had people say, you got a captive audience there. It's true. But a lot of times, when, when does somebody reach out? They don't reach out when everything's other world is coming their way. They reach out a lot of times at the lowest point. And that's what happens in these prisons. I could go, I had a book a while back that was reading it, and it was from a chaplain, a prison chaplain. He had been in prison, got saved. But a lot of the prisons in there, I don't mean they were just in there for brawls and stuff like that. These men were in there for two, three, four life since 
They were that type of prison. Some of your worst prisons. And it tells how they accepted Christ through a Bible and working. Knowing they're not going to get out of prison now. But they're working, talking to the other inmates that would be shorter life than they. Timers. That they might change their lives and they might be able to help somebody. So there's so many ways that this happened. You take, I'm, I'm reminded, I know a lot of you know Leonard, Leonard was his name, moved out of Oklahoma, moved out to Hollywood. He come, changed his name to Roy Rogers, and they become the signs of the pioneer. You know, they traveled around, that was before you had all these telephones, cell phones, and stuff like that. Well, Leonard Spence was with him, and his wife was worried about him. And she sent a letter with scripture to read to each stop they made where it be waiting for him in that hotel room. And he went on, changed, and set with Christ, and saw that that traveling and all, all that partying stuff was, was against all of them. But there's another thing about him. Later years, his son was at a seminar thing, and uh, he heard some music. And he asked the fellow about it, but could he carry it back to his daddy? And he carried it back to him. And he wrote a song from it. It won't accept it the first time. It won't accept it the second time. But he finally got up with Beverly Shea. When I say that, most of you ought to know what I'm talking about. He got up with Beverly Shea. And How Great They Are was introduced at the Billy Graham conference up there in, up in New York and from then on you, you know you know what how great they are how it's meant so much to services and all but what I'm saying is there's a lot of things like this but it happens you, they're living a life but when they get hold of this it changes you take uh, Leonard take his uh, Tim Spence's grandson he's a missionary overseas at the time, I, I read that uh, he had been over about 15, 17 years. So there's a lot of th- there's a lot of power comes out of this this word if we can just get it around. That's why it's so important to uh, try to get the word places we need. Right now, like I say, in schools in the county, we're not allowed inside, and we need forever prayer that them doors are open. Because the young people, like these sitting out here, are the ones we need to get to early. Because we get to them at an early age, then you can build a foundation for later on. So it's so important to touch these people at that early age. The other day, I I had a boy, I'm not going to name no names. I was talking to him downtown at the store. And he told me he didn't need God. The Bible wouldn't help him. You know, that's right here in the Grange, folks. That's the stuff we got changed, how the world's changed, and the world has took over up here. We need to go back and do and strive, each one of us, not just us, each one of us strive harder to reach these people. You take, we're talking about the Gideons a while ago, you got them in your church, Glenn, Holden, and Donald. We get out there on 
doing this festival on Saturday. You look at the age of us. It runs about 76, 77, average age. But we are dedicated to putting the word out. It might be hot, but we're afraid to leave until that last Bible is gone because we might miss that person that really needs it. Because we're up there doing that. We don't know. We don't know the truck until we talk to them. But these Bible things, you don't get a chance to talk to them like you do one-on-one. So that's really so, it's so important to keep pushing them out. You're taking the, the foreign countries right now. They can go in and do a presentation in one of these uh, countries in Africa or somewhere like that. And these children come up and get the Bible. They're courtesy. Thank you. And here you'll get them. They got the ways of the world involved to them. They got so much TV and things like that that they're not, they're not into it, all of them. So it's up to us, each one of us. And it's up to us as Gideons to put the word in the hands of these people. It's up to us to plant the seed, as I said a while ago. We're like a farmer. We can put the seed out there. And we can do so much. But it's up to you as parents, grandparents, and the church family to take these children and cultivate and bring them up in the way they should. But to me, I'm, uh, I might be obsessed with it because I got grandchildren, I got great grandchildren. And I see the changes in the world the way it's been. And that's the reason it means so much to me to reach out to these children. A few years ago, we were at the Garden Festival. Then I give a Bible. At that time, to the child, she, she was in the verge of getting out of carriage in that age where she, she could be in it, but it was easy to keep up with her out there, but keep her in the stroll. I give her a Bible and talk to her. That little girl I was told by her grandma, that little girl carried that Bible from then on with her name in it, carried the church every Sunday. She was at a different church. The preacher asked her what she had. He told her, this is my Bible. And she has her mama and daddy to read her from that Bible every night. Of course, now she's getting where she's, she's about the age that she can start reading some herself. But what I'm saying is these Bibles we put out, especially the young people, it's not just the Bible. because His word is going to come. But it, it always needs a little help to finish it up. And it's up to us, like I say, as parents, grandparents, and church family to be there and cultivate, fine-tune that word and help these children. <laughs> I read a little article the other day right now. There are 105 people that die. 70 of them is unsafe. And you know, that, that's a lot, a lot of people. A lot of people. I ain't saying that some of them might be just being settlers and thinking. But they, they don't profess to be saved. And that, that's one thing that makes our work to us so much uh, more important. Because <laughs> we consider ourselves a extension of y'all anyway. We consider ourselves a extension of the local church. Because like I say, we can put the word out and touch the word, but it's up to y'all to cultivate it and get that crop that needs to be harvested off of that word. 
that's at each one. <clears throat> you take, I know I got a lot of talking I need to do. I done been told not to talk too long because I'm hooked up to an electric thing. And it get a certain time, I'd feel it. So I got to kind of watch my phone a little bit. You take this Tuesday, we as Giggs, we'll go to, we're going to Newburn. And we call it our birthday party for Jesus. It's our finale of the year. We'll go down. And that's when they ask us to really, to really dig deep and give. But you know, it's more or less celebrating what Christ does and the things that we've seen go on during the year. Because get out there, you, you, uh, you pass the Bible out and you, they say thank you. And I would actually, but it's, it's, it's just the feeling that's, it's hard to say in words when you, when you uh, put that by wow. And they're so just, just thankful that they're getting it. <clears throat> and you take, it's time and time again that, like I say, this Bible goes out. We just, we don't never know what's going to happen or what it's going to do. But we know by his guarantee that it will. His word will come back. That more or less tells it by. It don't matter how low you get. What goes in your life? What's going on? If you'll pick this book up and let them words come out to you, then your life will change and you'll be like this fellow. You'll be shining and wanting to do more. Yeah, I had a testament. I want to do it right quick, Mary. I want to do the highlights of it. Mary had asked for a testament long about this same way. But this fella, I'm going to hit the highlights. His mama was 15 when he was born. He was a crack baby. All the way through. They tried everything to get her to abort. Everything. And he came through, but he was he wants too healthy. And they still tried to get rid of him. And he went on to live. Grandparents helped. And later in his years, he, he accepted Christ. And he became a preacher. He's a preacher up, in, up north. But he, he'll let you know that by this word, no matter how low you are, or what's going on in your world, you might think you're Things are just not going to happen, not going to do any better. But if you'll put your belief here and follow him, all things are possible. <clears throat> like I say, the, uh, the Bibles, the hotel Bibles run about $5 now. But we, like I say, we had something happen this year that we got fine-tuned on the production of these little Bibles. These little Bibles, every 18 goes out now. We got one more Bible we had a year ago. And that's my businessmen fine-tuning the production of these things. I have here Bible app. We introduced it last year before last. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. The Bible on, on your phone, and it comes in there in any language. 
It works so good because see, see like somebody's in the rest home. You can carry this, this app in there and it reads the Bible to them. Truck drivers or somebody, when you're on the road, you can listen to the Bible instead of that, that uh, other music. So it, it's a good thing and it's gone in places in countries. This app has gone where the, we hadn't been able to get the Bible. Because you got so many foreign countries right now, the doors are being closed. And it's bad here, but it's, it's tough in a lot, of, like Indonesia and some of these other countries. They go to church like this. They leave here. They don't know when they come back if that church is going to be standing or not. Because there's so much destruction against Christians in some of these countries. <laughs> we have the uh, Gideon Card program. I think y'all uh, participated in it here at the church. But we also have with the card program, we have uh, Christmas cards. And for every Christmas card, when somebody gets them, every Christmas card sent, one Bible is placed in somebody's hands. I use them a lot. They send it at my church. But they're, they're good. It lets people know that by getting that card and that message, that somebody else is getting a chance to be saved. I know I've rambled a little bit, but I want to thank you for listening to me. Because like I say, I'm assessed by the work of the Gideons. I believe that not only the Gideons, but the, the churches and stuff, that this word is the only chance we got turning this country around. These politicians, these wars, they're not going to do it. It's got to be right here in this world. So I just want to thank you for Putting that with me and listen to me. Turn it back over to the preacher. Thank you, Brother Tommy. Uh, if you would, I'm going to ask you and your wife, if you wouldn't mind, just uh, if y'all want to go ahead and make your way to the back of the church. I know our folks will want to speak to you on your, on your way out. Um, uh, in fact, if you want, you can grab that uh, last pew there on the end and hang tight. Uh, I hope you were listening. I hope you heard that testimony. Guys, God promised His Word will not return void. It will accomplish what it's sent out to do. I want to read that passage again because I believe God directed Tommy's heart this morning for providential reason. Uh, I've being a guy who didn't grow up in the church, uh, now that I am a born-again believer, I can look back and know that many times I sat in a church, I thought somebody had told the preacher on me. And that's why that message was meddling. And I would harden in those early days to that. In fact, I'd often get in my, in my heart prideful and, and, and angry with my brother because I just knew my brother had told the preacher I was going to be there that day. Well, guys, I realize now that wasn't my brother. That was the Holy Spirit of God leading the man of God to share the Word of God to bring the conviction to a sinner's heart. So I'm just going to be as simplistic and as clear as I can. If you are here today and you are struggling with a sin 
that is tripping you up. And maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's another besetting sin. God says, come now. And let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And I hope you don't miss this part. If you are willing and obedient. If you are willing. In obedient. I'm a firm believer that the people in the Bible Belt have all the knowledge they need to get right with God. The question is, are you willing and will you be obedient? I'm going to ask the praise team to come.